This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. Coming up on the program today, I'll sit down with Sioux Falls School District Superintendent Dr. Jane Stavum. It wasn't too long ago that Dr. Stavum was announced as the new Sioux Falls Superintendent, and now the work has begun. She will join us on the program to talk about the future and her goals still for the school district, the essential need for substitute teachers, and of course, the school district during the COVID-19 pandemic. All that and more coming up on Sunday Focus. Dr. Stavum, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time out of your day to speak to us. The last time we spoke, they just announced you as the superintendent and you were sitting in front of me. (laughs) Seems like a very big blink that happened there in between that, doesn't it? Absolutely. From the time you got here till right now. So let's start at the top. There's a lot to go over. How has everything been going for you? How do you like Sioux Falls? I love Sioux Falls. This is a great place to live, and that's what we expected, and that's what I found. Even with COVID and, you know, kind of everything that that's brought, there's fun places to go and people to meet and just something new to do every time you want to go and and find a new spot. So it's been really fun and great people, so welcoming. The business community, the, the parents and families and our school communities, it's just a great place. So we love it here. Speaking about going to places, where have you been? What have you seen? Oh, wow. Um, that's a big <laughs> question. a long list. Well, you know, there's checking out shopping, of course. you got to check out the local haunts of where you want to go and um, spend a little money here and there and great restaurants. And then, of course, the cultural things that we have to enjoy. And then I just love attending our school events. And so we've been so happy that we've been able to run activities. So you'll find me with, you know, a bag of popcorn in my hand at a ball game and <laughs> and a concert. And those are just the really fun parts of of being part of a school district. This could be the hardest question of the entire interview, so get ready. Okay. Any favorite restaurants or stores? Oh, you know what? I honestly would have a hard time, and I haven't tried them all yet. No, no favorites. <laughs> Too many to choose from. I, it's hard to get to all of them. The variety is amazing. I think Sioux Falls is just such a gem, and people coming for kind of a weekend destination have found that to be true, but no, I, I can't pick a favorite yet. It's too hard. I feel the same way. I moved here not too long ago, and every time I talk about Sioux Falls, everyone back home is like, well, what are you saying? And I always tell them, you have to come visit to yep. see what I'm talking about. And once they do, they're like, oh, I get, I get it. it. Exactly. Yep. I get it. We have to talk about the cloud hanging over everyone's head at some point. But before that, there's a lot happening in the Sioux Falls School District. Mm-hmm. Now, what were some and still are your goals for your first year? year big part of your first year is just learning everything. And so I'm just starting on my second round of school visits. I was in everybody's school the first semester, and now I'll do that again second semester. And when you do a school visit, it's to talk with people about their work and what's important at their school and just kind of getting a, a sense of their community. But it's also learning the buildings and learning the grounds and the history and what's been added on to and what the population number has done there over time. So there's just so many 
learning pieces to it. Then it's really looking at the needs that were already apparent and things that are in progress and how those initiatives are going, as well as looking to the future. And that's what we're in the process of starting now. Second semester is looking at what are going to be our district priorities moving forward, which has been great because, you know, we've been so mired in this year with COVID. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really nice to start thinking forward now and thinking about what, what's going to be most important as we kind of emerge from this cocoon is how it feels. What have you heard from the teachers of the schools that you have been to? You hear all kinds of things, but the vast majority of them have been so happy to be in school. They know how important that is to our students. They know that just their own routine and having that kind of daily work is something that's kept everybody afloat, but it's been really hard, and I think we have had very tired people. It's cumbersome with the layers that we had to put in place. I was just in a classroom, and you know, you're teaching young children how to read, and you've got plexiglass, and it's harder to hear, and you've got masks, letter sound recognition, and just some of those basic things just feels clunky this year. It, It has not been easy, but most people will tell you they think it was important that we had kids in school with us. How do you think the teachers have responded to that sort of adjustment now that you bring it up? They're amazing. I mean, truly, there are so many ways that they have navigated this just as kind of heroic working. I was at a couple of schools, and at one of the schools we talked about just in planning. We didn't know how this was going to go until we really got into classrooms with kids. And so there was kind of that initial fear and trepidation, and then it's as we got started, okay, we can do this, but then it got harder as we had to do some of the contact racing and just things we didn't anticipate until you experienced it. But yet then you find a teacher, um, I was at Roosevelt High, a teacher who has a student who's done some artwork um, depicting their experience, and then they've commissioned um, some music to go with that, and they've captured what it's felt like in some unique ways that gave students a chance to express their experience. It's like, what, a, what an awesome idea. And, and you'll find examples of that where teachers have used their creativity and the things they do best to also go through this really hard time with kids. Certainly a great outlet for kids during this time. And not to mention the fact some other excitement happening. We'll get back to the COVID talk later. But the new high school and middle school, yes. that's just around the corner. So talk a little bit about each institution if you can. Sure. It is just around the corner. And all of a sudden you go, oh, my gosh, you know, that's going to be here before we know it. Ben Rifle is our middle school that will be opening up. That facility is under construction, as is Jefferson And they're both coming to that point where there are parts that will start to be pretty completed, parts that are still under construction, but the process itself has been able to pretty much stay on course. That was an unknown with supply chains and with some of the materials that got a little bit harder to come by at certain points, but we've been really fortunate. Those two are very much on target. Both beautiful facilities that allow kids to learn in the best ways. The gym floor was just going in at Jefferson the other day. They're both on track. They're both going to continue to open up learning opportunities for our kids and just keep accommodating the growth that I think will continue. When we see all the jobs that are coming to Sioux Falls, that means families and kids are coming with them. It's exciting. It's a nice hope factor with those two buildings coming online. And speaking about employment, with both of those institutions, that opens up employment opportunities for the community. 
It does, and some of it is shifting our existing employees, and so we're in the process of right now of doing that, how we kind of allow for that to happen on any given year, movement between buildings, but now some of that will shift to the new schools, and then we'll have some positions that will be open as new positions as well. And where we really need people to be applying is in those maintenance and custodian jobs, those grounds people, all of that work. It's getting harder and harder to fill those roles, and those are really important work to our district. If you walk into any of our buildings, they are gleaming. They are so well kept, and we need that with our new buildings and people to come work with us. We need EAs, and we need people to be in those supporting roles for our kids So we hope that people will think of Sioux Falls School District as a great employment option. If you are just listening, Dr. Jane Stavum with the Sioux Falls School District is on the phone line with us. Now, not only are there those employment opportunities, but there's also still a huge need for substitute teachers in the district. Can you talk about how someone can apply to be a substitute teacher? Yes, they can call the district office if you call Human Resources or you can go on our school district website and find application steps there as well. But call and ask and we'll get you set up. And we always need good people to step in and take over those guest teacher roles. It's important that we keep having great people sign up for that as we head into the spring sports season. Sometimes then there's more daytime openings because of some of those people who teach and coach. So we need to make sure that we keep the cadre of substitutes nice and healthy. So come on over and we'll get you set up. That's a great point with just the days and whatnot. What is a typical day, would you say, for a substitute teacher? Could it be a full or a half day or even long-term subbing? It can be all of those things. We have people who might need to be out on a longer leave, like for having a new baby or a medical need or just need to take a leave of absence. We have half day. You might teach your morning and then you leave with a group of students or on a personal um, matter that you need to take care of or just a regular school day when somebody's out ill or uh, out maybe caring for their own child. We want people to feel really comfortable coming into our building, so we have some great training that happens. We have people who are very welcoming when you come in the door, and they will help you through that school day. So it's a great place to be. Who doesn't want to spend the day with kids, right? Oh, I love kids. <laughs> kids are great. And my mom's a teacher, so oh, always, wonderful. yes, always I go and visit with her, you know, when it's not COVID time, and yep. I go hang out with the kids. So if anybody is contemplating about being a substitute teacher, what are their requirements, or, or is there any prior training before? Yep, they do get trained, and um, the requirements in South Dakota are a little different than some other uh, places, and so it's a little easier to be a substitute teacher, and um, HR can help them know if they are qualified to to do that work, but they do a great training. Um, In fact, there was just a group in the other day, and just so people know what to expect, know how to handle different situations, know what's going to be in place, Even just navigating to the front door of that school, sometimes just getting there can seem really daunting. And so they'll help you know the route to where you're going and all of that. So it's really an easy process. And um, we want people to want to be with kids, to want to spend their day with great educators. 
and not to worry if they know everything that they need to know. We'll help you with that. That's all a part of the Sioux Falls School District. Relationships are essential in order to keep this machine running. And speaking about relationships, usually with the Sioux Falls superintendent, it's a pretty strong relationship with the school board. So how would you say your relationship is with the board? I feel like the luckiest superintendent in the nation. We have (laughs) such a good school board and one of the, the great values is that many of them have um, years of experience. And we know in a lot of places, school boards have kind of imploded or mm-hmm. people have an agenda, um, a political aspiration that gets in the way of doing the best thing for kids. And our board is really in it for the well-being of our students, for our staff, and they understand the vital role that our school plays to our community. And so they are great community ambassadors and they have um, helped me learn this role, but we have a great working relationship, and they, they love their work. You know, none of them signed up to be a board member during COVID. That's really been hard for um, every mm-hmm. school board in America, but they have uh, stayed the course, and we have worked uh, as a team, and they love this school district and this community, and that's what we want to have every school board member be about. If you are just joining us, Dr. Jane Stavon with the Sioux Falls School District is on the phone line. All right, Dr. Stavon, we've held off on this topic enough. We have to talk about COVID-19. So let's start off with this. As of right now, what is the district's policy and procedure for COVID-19? Well, it's a thick uh, document on our on our website <laughs> that's come to life really in from, from when you come on school grounds to when you leave. And it's all of those safety protocols with people wearing masks, having hand washing and hand sanitizer at stations. It's how we've grouped kids um, and, and kept them together but separated at times and very strategically doing some of our systems, even with our activities. So how coaches are doing practices minimizes the amount of contacts that a student might have if they became positive. Um, it's how we um, do lunch schedules that have changed this year. And so all of that has allowed us to keep schools going. And here and there, um, we've had maybe a classroom that's had to go remote for a period of a quarantine. And then along the way, we adjusted some of those protocols. So initially, um, If you were exposed, it didn't matter if both people were in a mask. It was an automatic quarantine, and we revised that so that if you were in a mask and I was in a mask, then um, we still let people know they were exposed, but they had the choice to quarantine, and most of those those contacts did not turn positive. Then the, the state and CDC guidance came out and revised it again, so now there's the ability to have a rapid test to shorten that quarantine period if you choose to. Um, and so all of those things have allowed us to keep going and to keep kids in school for the most part. Um, that's not easy, and there's been you know many people that have spent weekends and evenings on the phone and doing the contact tracing work in, in cooperation with the state health department and the local health, um, health department. So that's been really hard. That's been hard for people. Our numbers are very, very, very low right now for positive cases, and we're seeing that in the community, too, so that's encouraging. What I think will be interesting is kind of backing away from this over time now. It's been so intense as we put all this in place 
now what happens as people become vaccinated mm-hmm. as we head into spring and as we, you know, see what actual virus activity does, how do you pull away from some of those things and when is the right time to do that? We're not doing it yet, but at some point we know we might have to um, readjust again. So it's being flexible, but being diligent. That's really what it's been about. Absolutely. And this phrase has been said a lot, too. It's a very fluid experience. Mm -hmm. And you've already talked about how great the teachers have been responding and just adjusting their schedule and their lives, actually. Mm -hmm. But what about the students? You know, how do the students react to all this change? Because if you're a if you're a first grader, I'm assuming you think that this is normal at this point. But it's the (laughs) middle school kids that are thinking, what the heck? is going on. Yeah. You know, kids are so resilient, and I have a a group of high schoolers who are an advisory group for me, and for kids, it was really kind of a non-issue. We asked them to wear masks, and they did it. There might have been a few that were exempted, a parent request or a medical need or um, something related to their ability to, to keep that mask on, but the vast majority of kids have done that, and they continue to do that. Now, Will you see a first grader or a kindergartner sometimes having it hang below their nose? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you see them fidget with it? Yep, you might see that. But it's become so normal for them now that they really don't think much about it. Um, do they love it? No, but one of my high schoolers said, I kind of feel like it's my security blanket now, and when I don't have it on, it feels weird, and, and I have to run out to the car and get it. So, you know, they, it, it normalizes for them, and... You know, the things we saw in social media and, you know, a, a kindergartner can never do this and it's going to be a hot mess, it just wasn't true. Kids will do what you ask them to do if you teach them how to do it and if you expect them to do it over time, and that's what our kids have done. There were a lot of questions and concerns, if you remember, in regards to wearing masks in the school district. Now, what was that ultimate decision? We landed on expecting people to wear masks, which... Um, I think reduced having a battle over it Mm -hmm. and yet allowed people to do the right thing without feeling like they were compromising a personal belief. And um, I also think people understood the significance of keeping others healthy. And when you mix adults and kids like we do in schools, there's more factors than just your individual uh, preference or choice. And it's different than walking around, you know, on the sidewalk, um, versus being in a room full of people all day. And I think people understood that, and our, our families have been awesome to, you know, support that and to do what we asked them to do. I hate that it became such a political football, mm-hmm. and um, it's unfortunate, but it really didn't hamper our efforts once we got going. It's just, you know, it's just what we did. How did the Sioux Falls mask mandate affect that policy? You know, it really didn't affect us because we were already doing it. And so we didn't change our policy. We didn't say it was going to be any different because that was already our expectation. So we didn't make it a a new thing because it was already in place. And the the language of that um, particular um, city ordinance didn't affect schools. It was business and, you know, kind of community expectations. And schools were left off of that language primarily because we had already kind of gone down that road ourselves. 
if you are just listening, Dr. Jane Savum with the Sioux Falls School District is on the phone. Now, you mentioned this earlier, Dr. Stavum, about how board members did not choose to sign up during COVID. They did not choose to have their role during a global pandemic. But you yourself brought your experience to the board. And correct me if I'm wrong, you were coming from the state of Washington. So how did you kind of guide the board in what we now have a solid direction for this pandemic? You know, there were some things that were similar, um, just because by that point, all districts really across the nation had been closed. And so that was a common thread. I think what was different was the level of intensity um, that I had gone through in my district, because that was where the first COVID death started. And so it was pretty intense as that kind of, um, you know, happened in the community there. I think probably um, what was my advantage was just the level of planning and and kind of um, some of the steps that were taken out there at that time. Um, We were on a little bit different timeline because um, school isn't out there until June and here it's out in May. And so we had had kind of an extra month that we had stayed on the topic in anticipation of what we might be doing that following year. And so when I came here with school starting a month earlier than it would have out there, um, it might have just helped us adjust the pacing a little bit of what we were putting into place and and, um, sped a few things up. And then it was um, things like our virtual academy where we had been in remote for that extra month. Um, I kind of had probably a, a bit of a different picture about getting that underway here. And so, you know, it worked out well and... Um, many of the same things that we were working on, but I had experienced some of that intensity factor already that was just starting to happen here. So it was it was a great fit, and um, I'm happy to be back in the Midwest where we've been able to bring kids back, and they're uh, still trying to do that in many parts of the country. We're very much ahead of the game. Absolutely. So based on the policy and procedures, you would say that the district overall has responded really well to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think we've done um, everything that we knew to do and that we adjusted to along the way. And, you know, the evidence of that is that our schools are still in session. And so, um, it, like I said, it hasn't been easy. And and you get to this point in the year, and it's kind of like, well, that was no big deal, and it will, it is, and it will continue to be. And we couldn't do it without everybody um, showing up every day and doing their part and doing that on some days where that was really uh, scary to do and, you know, a lot of unknowns for a lot of people. But I think the break was good. Um, people were able to rest and come back, you know, in the second semester without those same unknowns. Now we know how to do this, and so... Now we're able to look ahead and and hopefully people can continue to find the joy in our work because that's really what it's about. Mass and plexiglass and all of that. We still have children with us every day who are really important. Absolutely. So in regards to the number in the district, you alluded to it earlier that it's a very, very low number. Is it better than what you expected or you weren't really expecting that number? I don't think, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen when we started, but we've monitored things very, very closely. And, you know, pretty much every day, the vast majority of our kids have been in school. And I think, um, you know, when we saw the community 
uh, numbers start to kind of grow around that Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. between Thanksgiving and Christmas time, we saw a bit of that, but on a much, much, much smaller scale. And so I think, you know, people have in mind a school district, children, it must be, you know, a major spreader. And there was just a study that came out um, that kind of proves what we already knew to be true, that schools have not been super spreaders. And really, as we did contact tracing and found out kind of point of origin for people who were positive, most of the time it wasn't from that school context. It was a family member or an event that somebody had been to or, you know, some other contact. Um, and that's, you know, I'm sure there's transmission too from people in school, but that wasn't the vast majority of the cases that we were finding. So that daily rate stayed very, very low, never even, you know, crossing the 1% mark of our students. And um, our teaching staff was typically well below 1%. When we surged, it was just a little bit over. But, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't anything that caused us to have to do any major closures. Absolutely. And schools were able to adjust policies based on their need and population, correct? Because I think of, you know, Roosevelt was already massive enough and now you mix up pandemic. It's like, what are you going to do with those kids? Yeah. And, you know, um, our ability to isolate people in that 14 day quarantine early on was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, people think about people being positive, but those people were then not there, and, and people were really good about keeping kids home, and that's hard. You know, if you're working and you get the phone call that your child is going to be quarantined for 14 days, and you haven't been thinking about child care or your high schooler, you know, at home alone for two weeks, that's a long time, yeah. and yet people complied with that, and I think they knew to keep the the majority of kids going, they had to do their part in helping us with that quarantining and keeping kids out. So you got to hand it to our families. They've been awesome. And, um, you know, when we did get some pushback just here and there, hardly, hardly any, but even when we did, people got it after our principal talked with them, our school nurse. Our school nurses are rock stars. They've been amazing through all this to help us navigate that. Dr. Jane Savon with the Sioux Falls School District is on the phone with us. So, Dr. Savon, when all of this is another chapter, more like a whole book in our history, what are you looking forward to for the district? Well, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, And I guess, you know, one of the things that I would say just connected to that first part of your statement there is, I I think we have to be mindful that it's going to be a while before we close the last chapter Mm -hmm. of this whole um, thing that's happened. You know, this has been nearly a year of this affecting school districts in our district. And what we don't know is what what are the long-term effects of that going to be? You know, we have kids that lost, you know, an entire um, chunk of learning last spring, and we're doing everything we can to make that up. There's the emotional part of it. And... Um, families that have lost jobs or had to move or had the illness um, impact their family significantly. There's long-term effects for this, just the trauma of going through all of this. People are really resilient, and I know that um, we'll move forward, but it won't be without some wake left behind it. So when we look forward, you know, academic achievement is first and foremost. That's why we exist, is to educate children. And so we have some work to do in some of those areas. 
We also have some exciting things where we want to keep building out our partnerships with business and industry to really give kids a clear career path picture. And we've got some great um, things that we're kind of bubbling up that we think will continue to add value to that. Um, we're also talking about some new ways to um, talk with our community, and I think that's going to be more important than ever after this year. And how do we be intentional about hearing what people um, want to tell us and, and, you know, adjusting our practice or adding new ideas? And how do we do that with our own staff and students? And how do we do that with parents and family and community members? And we've got some, um, I think, exciting ideas for how we're going to put that into place. So over the next couple months, we'll be finalizing some of those priorities and really looking at continuous improvement for our district. How do we focus on getting better all the time? And how do we use the collective um, wisdom of our entire community to make this a better and better school district? You know, you've heard me say it. I want this district to be the best in the nation. Yeah. So we've got everything we need to do that, and we're already very, very strong, and we have great things ahead. Dr. Stavum, just to wrap this up, how have you been doing throughout all of this craziness? Because usually when you start a new job, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> you don't really start off with the stressful situations right off the top. Well, that's very sweet of you to ask. You know, I'm doing great, and it's because I have a great team, and I have great faith in the people of this community to support our work. Um, I love it here, and when you love your work and you love where you're doing that work, um, it's easy to get up and come every day, and it doesn't have to feel um, like work. I think we were all tired. We all were glad to have the break, but I'm so excited about what's to come and just feel like I've landed in the best place that I could possibly be to be a superintendent. So I'm excited, and I'm doing great, and just can't wait to um, keep working with everybody to move us forward. I agree with that statement 100%, and yes, a lot of great things to look forward to. Dr. Jane Stavum of the Sioux Falls School District. One more time, if anyone has questions about the COVID-19 policies or anything going on in the district in general, what is that website people can visit? It is sf.k12.sd.us. All right. Perfect. Dr. Stavum, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio, Town Square Media, Sioux Falls.